Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Numbers 291-6901. And Couldn't you, be easier. That's it. That's a pretty easy number to remember. <laughs> easy for me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you put a 225 in front of that number, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks in Baton Rouge and all around the country, country. or world or wherever you might call from that's it just get up in the right time zone and you can reach us live right now there you go it always makes the show a whole lot more interesting and a lot of times you may have a question that's maybe not that important to you but something you're wondering about and if you call someone else was also wondering the same thing so you're doing a little community service there there you go yeah next next <laughs> the guy may just been shy to call <laughs> yeah give us a call 291-6901 really appreciate it well i was coming in from New Orleans this morning, and when I got on the 12-mile bridge, I noticed a couple of fellas in a pickup truck with a trailer behind them. It was okay. loaded up with wood, right. and they were obviously having trouble keeping this thing in lane. It was sort of swaying back and forth, back and forth, and you know, I was doing, I think the speed limit on that bridge is 60, and I was doing 60, and I mean, they came by me like a bullet, huh? pretty fast, so they, <laughs> they were doing in excess of 60 miles an hour, and swaying all over the road and the first thing goes to my mind how old are the tires on this trailer <laughs> you know obviously they're not inflated properly but how old are they so i just backed off i yeah. just i slowed down to about 55 let them go on about business and i was kind of surprised i didn't see a big pile of wood laying in the middle of the interstate where yeah. i don't know if they turned off or they, maybe guy was looking out for them and they made it on their way but it brings up kind of a point i know we've talked about this in the past but i just think it bears repeating and that is if you have a trailer or a car or anything else for that matter. But particularly if you have a trailer, a lot of times the tires on that trailer will get old because people use Definitely. trailers infrequently. Definitely. They will sit there and they sit more than they roll. That's right. On most trailers. Some people use the trailer every day That's right. and they keep up with it real well. But for the most part, a trailer is used occasionally, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. and it sits a lot. That's right. So the tires still look like they got a lot of tread left. Well, they don't wear out because they're not being used, and they may look just fine. And I've had people argue that. Well, oh, my tires are good. they got plenty of rubber on Well, they do have plenty of rubber on but they're also 10 years old. Sure. And most experts agree six years is the safe life of a tire. Right. After that, the rubbers and the glues and stuff start to break down. They start deteriorating. They dry rot. In fact, I've always wish that the state of louisiana would add to their inspection process to check the age of the tires on the vehicle right and i have legislators i've told this to and i guess with all the other problems that most states have it, it just doesn't seem to make it through the session and mm -hmm. uh, in louisiana i think every other session is financial so they really don't discuss a whole lot else and then right. you'd have to get it introduced by a, le a representative and have him push it through and it seems that no one really has a vested interest, I guess, until somebody gets killed. But that's one of those things. If you've got a trailer and you don't use it that often, check the date on that tire. And if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to our website and just type in tire age, and it'll bring up a picture to show you how to Decipher interpret the, that DOT number uh -huh. to see how old the tires are. And if they're more than six years old, do yourself and everybody on the road a big, big service and go ahead and replace those tires. Sure, because at the very least, you know, you're going to be inconvenienced with a flat tire on a trailer. At, at the most, 
You may lose your trailer. You may lose your life. Right. Or Uh, someone else's life. Or someone else's life. Like I said, that kind of stuff happens. The same thing on motorhomes. The same thing on travel trailers. Classic cars. Classic cars. Anything that's not used very often. That's right. On a regular automobile, generally within six years, the tires are probably going to wear out because most people put twelve to 15,000 miles a year. Sure. you know, in six years, you've probably got somewhere fit 70,000 miles on a set of tires, and they're probably going to wear out. So it sort of self-regulates as long as you get a fairly new tire when you buy tires. Right, and that's another issue. That is another issue. There are a lot of people who sell tires that are already old when you get them. Sure. You may think you're buying a brand-new tire, but if you're buying a tire that's three, four years old, it's been sitting on a shelf in a warehouse somewhere, and you're putting it on your car, and then it gets three or four more years old. Well, now you got a problem. So you always want to inspect when you buy tires. Ask how old are these tires? Sure. And if the guy says, "Well, they're less than a year old," that's probably good because you can't expect brand new. But less than a year is good. If he looks at you with a confused look on his face, you probably need <laughs> to find another place to buy tires. Exactly. Because I get this argument all the time. Well, they're cheap, or no, they're not. What's your life for? Exactly. <laughs> They're not cheaper. These are old tires. And until you are involved in a situation where you are a family member or your property or someone else is hurt, then it all of a sudden it becomes ultimately important. Yeah, right. it, it's, it's sort of like your health. You tend to just take it for granted until you get sick. Then you realize how nice you had. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I tell you what, break a bone and get a cast. <laughs> yeah, see how see walk how around it, with that for a while and see how delightful it is not to have that. Exactly. <laughs> Guy told me a long time because when you think about the things you don't have that you want, think about the things that you don't have that you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> that puts it a little more in perspective. Yes, it does. <laughs> so just kind of a little reminder, something to look out for, particularly if you have a trailer that you haul stuff occasionally with. You know, if you have a four-wheeler you put on or some wood or construction Whatever. work. I know a lot of contractors will have trailers, and they sure. maybe only use it once, twice a year. So the odds of them wearing out the tires, these look like a couple of carpenters just judging by the pile of wood on the back of the trailer. Uh-huh. And I don't know that, but that's what it looked like to me. But they had a pretty good load on it, and like I said, it was swaying real good. And tires, just from what I could tell by them flying by me, <laughs> looked yeah. to be underinflated at least. So anyway, just a little reminder there, something to look for and kind of try to avoid a catastrophe. You know, we were talking last week about overall lowest cost and the philosophy of overall lowest cost, which is kind of the philosophy of our program. And one thing we did not get to touch on that i'd like to just briefly discuss and that is the difference in cost and price okay because those two things are vastly different and until you learn that life is probably going to be a little harder for you than it needs to be i know there are people who are professional buyers these are like purchasing agents for industry and so Mm -hmm. on and Baton Rouge is blessed in that we have a lot of industry in this area. Right. We have a lot of big companies, Exxon Mobil and DuPont and, and those guys in this region that buy a lot of stuff. And so we have a lot of purchasing agents in this area that we can kind of watch their behavior and take advantage of their education. And I know I was talking to a gentleman who worked for Exxon Mobil and they were replacing a compressor, a big gas compressor. Okay. And he was just showing me a chart he had made of all the different factors and the price was on there somewhere, but there's one compressor that maybe costs $5 million, but it consumes this much energy in a year. It has an expected life of this long. 
it has a downtime of this much per year or, or what have you, then he's looking at another model that costs maybe twice as much, maybe $10 million. But when you consider all the other factors, this one installs easier, consumes less energy, has a longer life, has less downtime. He said this is the least expensive one. Mm-hmm. And he is trained to go in and figure out all these factors. That's his job, right. is to buy the one that will cost the least, not the one that's priced the lowest. And he's looking at things like, okay, this one has ball bearings with a pressurized oil pump system with a filter. This one has bushings that are splash lubricated. And he's just a clever sort of a guy. He knows how to factor all this in. And I don't know that the average consumer can do that with everything they buy, but they can certainly do a lot more of it than they do and come up with a right decision more times. Sure. Now, another factor that you have to weigh in, and that is how crucial this item you're buying is to whatever it is you're doing. Because at Agco, we have items that we consider mission critical. For instance, my air compressor is mission critical. I right. have got to have that compressor. Without it, we don't work. The shop shuts down. You, sure. don't, you don't operate. That is mission critical. I have to have the best one I can buy, and I have to have a backup for it. That way, the more expensive one, that's the reason we use a Quincy compressor, probably costs three times more than one I could buy at a somewhere else. Sure does. But it reliably produces air for a much longer period of time. If you weigh all the factors, it's cheaper. Right. In other words. In the long run, it's cheaper. Yeah. For air delivered over a period of time with repairs and stuff calculated in, this one is a less expensive model. Now, there are things that are not that way. In other words, some things are non-mission critical, and if they go down, at most it's going to be an inconvenience, but not that big of one. Now, I look there at, for instance, we have an engine stand that we use for inline engines. Now, inline engines are fairly rare today. Most engines are transverse mounted, and that takes a different apparatus. But let's say we're doing a V8 Chevrolet. Well, we have a stand where you can mount the engine on the stand, attach the components, and it's handy because you can rotate it. You can roll it around, so it makes the job easier. However, if need be, I could stand this on a metal table and do the same thing. It would just be a little bit more difficult. So it's something we use infrequently. It's not mission critical. There are models that cost $300, and there are models that cost $3,000. It does not pay me to spend $3,000 for the better model, simply Mm -hmm. because the $300 model will do everything I want, if it fails, it's not a big deal. I can move on. I can still get the job done. Just could take a l- tiny bit longer. So it's not always a matter of just spending the most money. You have to look at all the different factors that go into it. And the factors are if you basically what does it cost up front? What does it cost to make it work? What other things get messed up divided by how long it lasts, right. among other things. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, but we'll be right back with more on Automotive Hour. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. 
I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah, I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. You got a question or a concern or a comment, you give us a call, 291 6901. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air today or even next week at midnight, you can always get your questions answered by going to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A G C O A U T O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. And we were talking about the difference in price and cost. And I've had people tell me, well, you always, you don't like aftermarket parts. Well, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that I can't afford them. Right. They don't. Because when I calculate all the costs involved, for instance, if I look at a starter and an OEM starter costs $300. And the aftermarket rebuilt starter costs $150. Well, that's great. You saved $150. But now let's look at it this way. Suppose it fails and you got to take it back off and change it again. Well, now at very least you've been inconvenienced. In my case, I have to pay somebody to do that. Right. I've lost the time that it takes to do it the second time. I've lost the ability to serve another customer in that time. So all that has to be calculated into that price. I simply can't afford to do it. now. And that's at the very least. At the very least. Let's say the starter Bendix comes apart, which we've seen happen more sure. than one time, and tears up the flywheel. Well, then the transmission has to come out. Right. Now you're going to spend $1,000 to save $150. So it's just not worth it. Not to mention your inconvenience. Let's say you're stranded somewhere with a car, the wrecker bill to transport somewhere to get this repaired, and right. so on and so forth. So the point is I'm all about lowest cost. I'm just not all about lowest price always. And the reason that I harp on this so much is because almost everything else you're going to become exposed to is marketing, and they're going to push price at you. Now, why do they do that? Because price is very, very easy to judge. Most people don't have time, don't have the inclination to really put a lot of thought into the things they do. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy to bait a person in with a lower price. Well, we've got this for this much, this for this much. Okay, give me that one. But is that really in your best interest? Is that going to build long-term wealth for you? Is that going to allow you to do the things you want to do in life because you're financially secure? And so on and so forth. So I feel that a lot of what is on the airwaves and the media and in print and all that is just geared towards price totally overlooks the cost oh it does and so that's why we harp on it so much on this program because we're kind of like one little voice out in the wilderness (laughs) (laughs) so we have to restate it probably more times than not to get the message across let's go to our phone lines mike good morning mike good morning guys how y'all doing Doing wonderful sir great i've got an 08 tundra that develops a vibration 
when I get above 60 miles an hour. Okay. Uh, below 60, I don't notice any problems, but I get up to around 65 or so and I start to feel it. Mm-hmm. I figured I had a tire issue of some kind, and I was about due for tires, so mm-hmm. I bought it in. Mm-hmm. had a new set of tires put on. They also found a tire, bad tie rod. They replaced that. Okay. Well, I still have the vibration. The exact same mm-hmm. vibration? Yes. i tell you what you want to do next, Mike, is get it up to about 60 miles an hour, or, or say maybe 65. Put it in neutral and let it coast back through that range and see if the vibration is measurably different. In other words, it may still be there. It may be worse. It may be better. But just see if it's different. Does it change when you do that? Okay. Because what you're doing there is you're loading and unloading the drive line. My suspicion is it will likely get better. The vibration will be considerably less at the same miles per hour. Most likely cause is going to be a bad universal joint. And... They've had some problems on the Tundra with the U-joints. I say problems. How many miles you got on it? Oh, I'm over 200,000. Yeah, there you go. I mean, when they get up to that kind of mileage, and I've had people tell me, well, there's trouble with that. It's just that most trucks don't last 200,000 miles. They don't last long enough to wear the U-joints out. (laughs) Right. But I'm not saying that is the problem, but do that little test. If it gets markedly better, most likely it's going to be in the drive line. Now, if you decide you want to try to change, if you find they are bad and you want to change them, number one, go to Toyota and buy those U-joints. Do not go to a parts store. They will not work, and they may damage the drive shaft. Okay. So go to Toyota and buy the U-joints, and if it's a two-piece drive shaft, which I'm pretty sure that one is, be sure you mark the shaft. Mark it where the two pieces come together before you separate it or take it apart at all, and also mark where the flange and the rear differential come together. Put a chalk mark across there. We can put it back together in exactly the same position. Do, yeah, do your favor and mark everything that comes out right. of it. Mark the flange to the front drive shaft through the front U-joint. Mm-hmm. Mark the, the slip yoke from the two shafts together. Mark the back shaft and the back yoke together. And then mark the back yoke to the differential. Right, because those parts are independently balanced. And if you don't put it back in exactly the same, you can you can throw it out of balance, and now you will have a vibration. Right, no U-joint will ever And fix. one last thing, Mike, I know in the day we used to take a couple sockets and a hammer, and we'd beat those joints in and out. This is an aluminum drive shaft, and it's very, very thin. We have a special press made to do that. You need to either set up some type of press where you can smoothly press them in and out or have somebody else do the job for you. Because if you bend that drive shaft, that's about a thousand bucks, and it will oh. vibrate forever forever well back in the day i used to do that kind of stuff oh i know everybody did yeah 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 but uh i think i'm past that now yeah but uh, but, now let me let me mention one other thing Mm -hmm. i don't know whether it has anything to do with it or not but the the problem seems to change depending on the type of surface i'm on like i i I took a trip to alabama Uh and i'm of course i'm on the interstate Mm -hmm. and i would be on you know one particular concrete surface say and I would feel it a little more, and then I would go to, once I passed it to another mm-hmm. county, I would get onto a newly surfaced mm-hmm. asphalt type, and it might change a little bit. Well, that see, is- and that sounds more like a tire-type issue. However, it could be that you've got, like, counteracting vibrations. For instance, if the tires are producing a certain small vibration from the road surface, it may counter the vibration in the drive shaft at certain harmonics. You know, vibrations are kind of weird. But if you try that trick with putting neutral and coasting down through the range, that's going to eliminate the tires because the tires are still turning the same speed. Right. And if it's exactly the same speed, then you've got, you've got a tire wheel kind of issue. You could have a bent wheel maybe that they just didn't spot when they put the tires on. Something like that is a possibility. But if it gets measurably better when you take the load off of it, I would say more likely you're going to be in a universal joint. 
Okay. Well, I oh. appreciate the info. Okay, Mike. Okay. Thanks, bye-bye. man. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to call the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing today? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Oh, good. I have a 06 Trailblazer. Mm-hmm. I have always used a Fram all filter, mm-hmm. basically because, you know, the Fram all filter has that black coating on mm-hmm. the bottom of them. Yes, sir. And on that Trailblazer, that filter is kind of up in a hole. It right. Is. And I use one of them cup filters that you, I mean, wrench that filter you put yes, on sir. a ratchet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it you know, they don't fit on regular filters. They slip. Mm-hmm. I was told by several mechanics that Fram all filters just not worth a flip. Well, I can't so, talk about brands on the air, Randy. But I, I use that. I use AC Delco. That's the only thing I'll put on anybody's car, and that's the only thing I use on my cars, and I will right. not install anything else. And, I mean, if that's, right. the, if that's the main reason you're using that filter because it has that grip on the bottom, they, right. they make several different cups and, and tools and everything that will grip any kind of filter and take it out right. of that hole. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. That filter is buried, but you can reach it instead of going up through the hole in the cover. You can reach right. it from the side. You can get uh-huh. a, you can get a regular filter wrench on it like from the side. Like a band type wrench. Right. Okay, I need to look at that. But I, I was thinking, I'm, in fact, I'm changing all in it this morning, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about, you know, getting a... Um, you know, a band ranch, right? Um, you know, something like that. Exactly. You know, is what I was thinking. I tell you that. what, Randy, if you want to go to my website and just type yeah. in the words "all filter," there's an article in there that shows several filters cut apart and shows what's inside mm-hmm. of them. Very mm-hmm. interesting, Very and interesting. that okay. will give you a lot of insight into that. Okay, I want to tell you one other thing. Remember, years and years and years ago, you was over on Dolph Foster yes, between. Sir. Evangeline and Prescott. Yes, sir. Wow, that has been a long time yep. ago. <laughs> Before 1992. Yeah. Yeah. I was your UPS man over there. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, I remember. I do remember. Yeah, I, was your, I was your UPS man over there for all the years that you were there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember you very well. Yeah, I remember you had a, a pretty little blonde secretary. Yeah. I remember that, that too. That was, was my wife. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's your wife? Now. Yep. <laughs> I remember that too. Still pretty right, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Randy. Right, thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. It's still pretty, still my secretary. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, we went out to dinner the other night in New Orleans, and, of course, I have a hat. When I go out to dinner, I always wear a coat and tie. It's okay. just what I do. And my neighbor was giving me, as hot as it is, like, what are you doing with a coat and tie? I said, well, to take a beautiful woman to dinner without a coat and tie is like taking Monet and attaching it to the wall with scotch tape. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't do that. It's a matter of respect. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, but hey, we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh... 
All wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Give us a call, 291-6901. And the call before last was kind of reminded me just a bit, and we were talking, of course, during the break. And he said he put a new set of tires on, and the vibration was still there. Uh-huh. Now, there are other possibilities. Number one is that the tires were not mounted or balanced properly, and Correct. that does happen. I'm it not does. casting a broad net across everybody out there, but there are a lot of people out there who just don't know how to balance don't a tire. Don't know how to balance a tire. Or read a tire. And what they'll do a lot of times – in some of these places, they'll turn over a lot of help. And they had a trainee who trained a trainee who trained a trainee. And the first guy probably didn't know the proper way or why he did what he did. So they spin it. And when this lines up, they knock a weight on. And then they take it off, put it on the car. Right. And we don't know if it's balanced or not at that point. All that means is that the machine thinks it's balanced. But if it's chucked up off center, if it's not perfectly centered on the machine for any number of reasons if the cone is damaged because somebody used to beat a wheel bearing in or if there's a burr in the wheel that uh, some corrosion on the face of the wheel where it mounted up that wheel is not balanced so at very least when you balance a wheel you want to rotate it 180 degrees on the machine and recheck it tighten it down and spin it again and see if it's still balanced because if it comes up off then that means you're not chucked up correctly right so anything you do after that point is just total waste total waste of time that's right so that is just a very very rudimentary thing that you have to do now if it comes up off you have to find the reason and correct it it might be that you have to take a file and dress off the edge of the wheel because it's an aluminum wheel Somebody yanked it off and stabbed it back on, hit the lug stud, and dent it, that little aluminum center. That wheel's never going to center up. That's right. Because they're, they're hub-centric. It will, throw the weight, it will throw the wheel off. And it's not going to balance properly. There are any number of weight types. In other words, a wheel weight is not a wheel weight is not a wheel weight. There are a number of wheel types, weight types, that are shaped differently to fit the contour of all the various wheels that are out there. If the wrong wheel type, weight type, is put on the wheel, it's probably either going to slip or come off. Or come off, and which is basically a waste of time for trying to balance the wheels in the first place. That's right. You're right back where you started. Another thing is some wheels do not have provision for putting weight on the outside. And if you do that and you put all the weight on the inside, what you have is a static balance. Correct. Which you may get lucky. It may work more times than not. It will not work. You're going to have a dynamic balance problem at higher speeds. You're going to pick up a balance problem that you just can't seem to get out of there. That requires a different skill set to deal with. Sure. On and on and on. Is the machine in calibration? How do you know the machine's in calibration? Have you tested it? And I'm talking about the shop itself. Right. Many shops have a wheel balance machine that's 10 years old. It's never been calibrated. Every wheel they balance may be improperly done. Just mounting the tire, if you don't get the tire fully seated on the rim, if you don't use the proper type of lubricant to allow the tire to seat on the rim, it may, A, not seat fully on the rim, in which case it's not balanced right, because when it finally seats, it's going to be out of balance Right, because it's going to change shape. If you use the wrong lubricant, it doesn't dry up and go away, then the tire may slip on the rim. Which is going to change the weight. Going to change the balance over and again. Yep. 
if it were not properly inflated when it was balanced, if it were over or underinflated, that will change the balance. Then when you properly inflate the tire, it may start to vibrate. Now, all of that is just simple procedural errors that can be made. There are millions others, mm-hmm. or not millions, but thousands of others probably. Another thing is the tire itself was a tire manufactured round because not all tires are as round as the others. They have multiple ways of making tires. The best way, in my opinion, is with a segmented mold. That's a bunch of pieces that lock in like a collet with a band around it. It locks in. It makes a round tire. More to the point, when you remove the band and you remove the pieces of the collet, it does not stress that hot tire carcass. Correct. It comes apart nice and easy. There's also what they call a clamshell mold. It's two pieces that go together and make a tire. Ka-chunk, 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 fast, easy, and cheap. Now, when they first came out with the clamshell molds, because when Michelin invented radial tires, they invented a segmented mold to build them with. Uh-huh. And at one time, a lot of tires were built that way. But over the years, more and more people have gone to the clamshell molds because they're faster and cheaper and they make a cheaper tire. At one time, only the four dollars $400 junk tires were made that way. Right. But more and more tires are produced in clamshell molds, which just doesn't make a round tire. Another thing, do they inspect that carcass and make sure it's perfect before they start to lay the beads and stuff on it? Did they lay the beads and stuff on it properly? Any number of reasons why tires will come from the factory out of round. Were they stored properly? In other words, were they stored standing on end? Were they shipped standing on end and bound down with a band? All that can As, knock a tire out of round. Right. Now, if a tire is not round, it can still be balanced. Sure. Sure, you can balance a square block. Yeah, I can balance I can balance a pair. It's just not going to roll down the road smooth. That's it's right. going to bounce and vibrate and cause, cause all vibration. kinds of problems. Now, if you've got a perfect tire and a guy who knows what he's doing, balances it perfect, mounts it perfect, but let's say the wheel is bent. Well, again, it's all for naught. Right. And not everybody checks the wheels to see if they're straight because it's another step. And this is the difference, like we talked about in the first segment, between cost and price. You may get the lowest price on your tires. Sure. But does the guy do these things? If I eliminate all these steps, I could probably do this job cheaper. Much cheaper. But it's not in your best interest to do it that way. You want a tire that is going to give you no problems. It's not going to beat up your ball joints. It's not going to beat up your tie rods. It's not going to destroy a rack and pinion. Because, again, going back to the cost-price thing, we saved $200 on a set of tires. But, but you then tore the, up $2,000. Yeah, the vibration tore up a $1,000 rack and pinion. Right. Well, are we really dollars ahead at this point? Not really. And let's say these tires are bouncing down the road like a basketball, so they only last two years instead of six years like they should have. Mm-hmm. Again, are we really dollars ahead? Right. We save money up front, but... It's you know, costing we, you down the road. Yeah, we lost money going down the road. Right. Kind of like my old man always told me, sometimes the cheapest way out is the most expensive way in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And that's true. Not always, but you have to review all these factors. What are you getting for your money? Now, again, let's say we got a perfectly round wheel. Okay. We have a tire that's mounted perfectly. It's balanced perfectly. It was a high-quality tire. It's put on the car and the flange is bent because someone hit a curb at some point in time or maybe someone changed the wheel bearing and they got rough with this flange they bent that little flange and when i'm talking about bent i'm not talking about oh my god look at this i'm talking about three or four thousandths of an inch of run out because that flange is only what four 
four maybe, and a half, maybe, five maybe, inches in diameter. Maybe six inches in diameter. The outside diameter of that tire is it's maybe 27, 27 30. to 30 inches. Right. So if you know anything about geometry, you know that the further out you get from the center, from the center, the more it's going to amplify the problem. So five thousandths of run out at five inches is probably going to be 60 to 80 thousandths at the edge of that tire. Right. So we've got a flange that's slightly warped. We got a flange that's corroded. So we put this beautiful, brand new, high quality, high dollar tire on there and it vibrates. Mm -hmm. And the vibration causes problems. It beats up the struts. It beats up the shocks. It beats up the tie rods. You may not even feel the vibration below some high rate of speed. Now, why is that? Why does it start shaking when you get to 60, 70 miles an hour? Well, it's not beginning to shake it. It was shaking from the minute it started to turn. That is it's, just the point where you where it is transferred to the driver. Right. The front end was absorbing this vibration. And there's all these components, the ball joints, the tie rods, the rack shock absorber, the rack and pinion is absorbing this, which is damaging the parts. So at some point, they just can't take any more. Then they start to pass it on. One thing you'll notice about vibrations, too, if you ignore them, is they tend to get worse, and they tend to come down in speed. And as it started out, it only shook at 70 miles an hour, and not that bad. The then it started shaking a little more at 70 miles an hour, and you can still feel, you can start to feel it at 60. Then you can start to feel it at 55. Then you can start to, well, that is the feeling of your front end being out. worn out. Exactly. <laughs> as you get slack, the vibration is amplified by the slack, so you start to feel it more, and you start to feel it at a lower rate of speed. Mm-hmm. So it's not one of those things you just kind of let go and hope for the best. I remember this guy really left a lasting impression with me. I don't know why, but he was a fairly regular customer, had a Cadillac, and he really liked the car. Right. Liked the way it rode, liked the way it drove. Came by, and I gave him price on tires. He says, oh, man, that's just too high. I can beat that price. Okay. Well, okay. Whatever, you know, whatever helps you out. So he went somewhere else, and he bought a set of tires. Well, mm-hmm. now he's got a vibration in it. He takes it back. They rebalance them vibration still there so he saved 200 dollars on a set of tires but now he's got a car that vibrates All right he goes back a third time to the tire store and they talked him into a set of shock absorbers said well shocks sure. causing the vibration sure now at this point he has spent 400 dollars for a set of shock absorbers that he did not need and that are not as good as the ones he took off of his car right because they put a set of junk aftermarket shocks on there so now the car really rides bad because now it tends to vibrate and bounce around he was frustrated. He came to me. We checked it, and we told him he had some out-around tires on it. Uh-huh. Well, fifth trip back to the tire store, they said, ain't nothing wrong with tires. He gets frustrated, decides he's just going to live with the vibration. Well, I didn't hear any more from him. About six months to a year later, he comes by. He says, I got this noise in my front end. Okay. Okay. We check it. I said, well, that noise is the outer tire rods and the inner tire rods are worn completely out. Right. Really? What caused that? Those out-around tires. Well, they said they're not out around. Well, ask them why the tire rods were out there. <laughs> so I said, we went in and changed tire rods, lined the front. I said, you're going to have to go back and get these tires uh-huh. swapped out, or you can let me sell you a set of tires if you prefer, but you're going to have to do something with these tires. He doesn't do it. So let's think where he's at right now. He saved $200 on the tires. He spent $400 for shocks he didn't need that weren't as good as the ones he took off. All right, so he's down he, 200 He paid me another $400, changed tire rods right. and lined the front end. So now we're 600 That he wouldn't have needed. About six months later, he comes back. He's like, I got some fluid dripping under my car. Right. Well, that's the rack and pinion that the tires have beat to death. Right. So now he's out another 800 and something dollars. 
in frustration, this car just cost me too much money. I'm going to trade the car. So now it cost him $45,000 for another car well, <laughs> to save $200 for of tires. Wow. So, I mean, it's almost funny when you put it this way, but to him, it was a logical oh, yeah. series of decisions, and he still comes in. He doesn't make that mistake anymore. Right. <laughs> At least he hadn't yet. He learned anyway. Yeah, he did. But, you know, you spent forty what $45,000 to save $200 right. on a set of tires. Right. You could still probably be driving that car and none of this other stuff would have happened it's not only the price you pay it's all the things you have to do to make it work divided by how long it lasts right and that's where you start to get to overall cost which is very very different from the initial price hey let's go to our phone line with tim good morning tim oh good morning this is tim in minnesota hey tim I you, hi i just wanted to let you know how it turned out with the trailer boat trailer tires okay so just for your listeners i had 11 year old boat trailer tires mm-hmm. and i went in to get them replaced, and the marina tech said, you absolutely do not need them. There's plenty of tread left. Mm. And, and I said, even though they're 11 years old, and he said, they're fine. And I, being a student of yours, I insisted mm-hmm. the next day I go back, paid my bill, and this time it was the owner mm-hmm. that I talked to, and he said, oh, absolutely. He said, no tire is good after that age. That's right. <laughs> And I thought, boy, I'm glad I insisted because a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure, well, sure. would say, oh, oh, gosh, wow, I just dodged the bullet there. I yeah, think, I just saved, you know. I just saved four hundred dollars on tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not, not, uh, yeah, and and you know, he, the guy, the owner needs to do a little training there with with his staff. And I guess the guy, he thinks he's doing you a favor because he just doesn't know that this is a factor. So he says, well, you got plenty of rubber left, you're okay. But he's not doing yeah. you a favor at all. No, and when you replied and said, look, you just saved yourself a, a breakdown on the side of the road, you saved your boat, and possibly you saved an accident where you take out a family. That's right. right. Absolutely. You know? So, anyway, I just wanted to say thank you, love your show, and talk to you guys later. Well, great. How's the weather up there, Tim? Uh, it's finally nice. we got about two weeks of summer every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. Hey, I appreciate the call, Tim. All right, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Tim from Minnesota. Right. He emails pretty often. I, I don't know. He, I think he's he called the show once, once or twice, yeah. yeah. Real nice fellow, but he says he had a boat trailer, and the tires were 11 years old. Right. Took Still him in. plenty of rubber left yeah, on them. Yeah, and the guy, he says, no, no, you don't need tires. You're fine. These things got a lot of rubber on them. Wow. And because he had listened to the show so much, he went back and insisted this time he got a different guy, the owner of the uh-huh. company, who said, oh, no, you absolutely do need to change these. So, right. You know, one of those things where the message hasn't filtered down as far as it should. And I'm sure that the guy who initially told him that thought they were being honest. And, you know, there's honest and there's technically competent. Right. Which are two different things. You can be as honest as day is long. If you don't have the technical knowledge to know the difference in right and wrong, you're making a mistake. You're just making don't a mistake, not intentionally, not to harm somebody, not maliciously. But the end effect is exactly the same. Sure it is. If that trailer blows out, swings around, and kills a family of four, yeah, we got a big issue here. And you know, even though you didn't do it maliciously, you didn't intend to do it. That family of four is just as dead. That's right. <laughs> yeah, some mistakes you just never get through paying for. So yeah, that glad he called in because that kind of a timely topic with our other first segment. Right. Hey, we're gonna take another quick little break when we get back we'll give you a little bit of advice with hurricane season coming up sounds great 
Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just give us a call, 291-6901. And, of course, as the temperatures heat up here in south Louisiana, one effect of that is the hurricanes right. tend to come. And as most people know anything about the Gulf South, from June through, I think, the end, the end of September. September is what we call hurricane season. Well, it runs June through November, but okay. we have very few in October and November. Most, right. most of our season is between August and September. Right. When that gulf starts to get hot and moist, that hot, moist air rising up is what draws these hurricanes that a lot of them start down on the tip of Africa somewhere, right. come across the cold Atlantic and don't do too much. They're just a tropical storm at that point. But when they get to the gulf, that hot, moist air rising up is like, throwing gasoline on a fire it just accelerates them and creates the hurricanes of course when they come in they disrupt utilities as well as any number of other things and the way that a lot of folks in this area deal with that is they have portable generators that they use now if you listen to the automotive hour you'll know that we always advise if you've got a portable generator do not let it sit from september to to next june right because you're going to have problems. Virtually all of our fuel in this area has ethanol in it. Right. Ethanol is going to go through phase separation in three months. That means the alcohol is going to start separating out from the gasoline. It's going to break down, and it's going to damage your small engine. Now, when you put stabilizer in the fuel, or you take brand-new fresh fuel, you add stabilizer, you can extend that out about six months. Right, and that's the only way it's going to work. You can't add the stabilizer to old fuel. No, it's not going to regenerate it. It merely helps to prevent the phase separation however you got more than six months of time that goes by right so if you will run your generator at least once a month preferably every two weeks for about a half an hour burn that fuel out add fresh fuel and continue to do that then your fuel is always going to be fairly fresh in your generator so you're probably not going to have a problem that being said very few people do that they just forget about it. They right. put the it's generator in the garage, they cover it up, and they forget about it. till they need it again. Now, the news comes out, oh, we got a hurricane pending down on us. Or worse yet, the hurricane hits, the lights here. go out, they grab the generator. Brr, brr, right. Brr. Well, that is not time to find out that the generator won't start. No, no it's not. <laughs> Especially if you've got a hind quarter beef in your freezer that <laughs> you just bought. No, the time to find out is right now. That's right. Right now, it's 
almost 90 something degrees outside right it's hot it's dry there's no pending storms coming right now is the time to take care of that generator well go out crank it up let it run if it'll crank. if it'll crank if it won't crank at least now you have time you're not under the gun you That's don't right. have a storm pending down you don't have an impending power failure you've got time to do something now what might you do well first thing is you have to empty all of that contaminated broken down fuel out of the tank right which either requires taking the tank off of the unit and mm-hmm. dumping it out or at very least opening the drain and draining or it in. some type of siphon or something maybe get it out of there however get, you got to get it out get it out and you need to drain the carburetor bowl as well now fill it with fresh gasoline see if it'll start if it'll start then great you're home free just continue to put gasoline in it fresh gasoline and run it every couple of weeks mm-hmm. so it just doesn't occur again if it won't start the most likely thing is going to be the carburetor has been damaged. Right. Now, if you're very, very handy, you might order a carburetor kit and go in and put it in yourself. If you're like most people, you got five thumbs, you're not going to be able to do that. But you're going to have to either take your generator to someone or you got to take the carburetor off and bring it to someone who can repair it for you. Well, it's best to take them the whole unit. Just take them the whole unit. Take them the whole they unit. They can test that everything. Way, exactly. That way they can do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. They can make sure it runs before they give it back to you. Right. But again... All of that takes time. Sure. If you pop in even the week before a hurricane, right. this Lock. guy is going to have 500 generators sitting there, and we'll get to you probably three or four months. Right. But, 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 well, <laughs> you <laughs> got where it's to at. prepare. You know, this is not something that's going to happen instantly. It's sort of like folks who wait, they're going on vacation in the summer, and they don't realize that the vast majority of people do go on vacation in the summer. And they wait till the last minute to get their vehicle checked. If you call the shop and they say, well, we're backed up for two weeks right now, we can't see the car. Well, we're going on vacation tomorrow. Well, if you'd called two weeks ago, this wouldn't have been an issue. Right. So the thing is, I know this is an instant society. I like to call it a microwave society. We used to pushing the button and getting whatever we want. Uh But a lot of times that just doesn't happen. And... So you want to go ahead and start to prepare now. Get out there now while you don't need it. Get the generator started. Make sure it runs. Make Another sure thing, if it's been a year, you might want to look at changing the oil in it. Sure. The plug, spark plug. Yes. Pull it, at least pull it out and check it. That's right. See pull it, it out, like. measure the gap on it. If it looks perfect and the gap is good, put it back in. If not, a new plug is oh, five, ten bucks cheap. at most. Cheap, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's good insurance because when you need it, you really need it. Well, and and not only the generator, but all the electrical cords that go with it. Well, that's a good, that's good something point. Else you need to look at. Make sure you've got adequate extension cards, big enough extension cards. That's because the key. Again, if you go to the hardware store the day before a hurricane, they, you are not going to buy one. They no. are all sold out. I've got a couple of pretty good articles on my site about using safety and using a generator. Uh And that's another thing. You don't want to set this generator under your carport, under the eave of your house. Right. I know that sounds counterintuitive because you want to keep it out of the rain, but it's not. If the fumes, the carbon monoxide coming off this generator will go up through the vents of your eaves and can get into your house and cause you all kinds of problems. So you're going to need an extension card big enough to put this generator in a remote location where the carbon monoxide can be vented away right and still transport enough power and some people think well extension cord extension cord one of these three dollar ones will do no 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 will not they have different gauge wiring and the amount of amperage you're going to draw and the length of Of space you're going to draw it over is going to determine what size wire you need that's right basically the more 
amperage you're pulling through it, and the longer distance you want to run that electricity, the larger piece of wire you need. Right. I've, I've seen a lot of appliances burned up for lack of the right extension cord. Right. If you've got a 16-gauge extension cord and you're trying to pull too many amps, it just can't go through it. So the cord will start to get hot, but it will drop the voltage that can transport through it. Lower voltage will burn up refrigerators, televisions, freezers, and so on and so forth, right. freezers, and all AC these other units. appliances. So expect to spend a fair amount of money for a good extension oh, cord. Yeah. At very least, you probably need about a 10-gauge extension cord for most people's applications for what they're going to be drawing through it. A 10-gauge extension cord is not going to be $12. No, it's not going to be gonna cheap. It's probably 60 to $100. And it may be difficult to find, particularly if you wait to just before a storm. Another thing, sort of like with our cost price thing we were talking about earlier get a good extension cord with good heavy insulation sure. where it'll last you several years take care of it right take care of it call it up and store it out of the weather and that way you've got an extension cord you got an investment that's going to last you a number of years exactly. just a little point for people that might have not thought about it hey i see we are just about out of time we want to start winding on up to get on out of here like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Right, whether it's Stitcher or iTunes or Podcast or whatever. Podbean or whatever it might be. That's right. Go to the written reviews and please fill that out for us. Right, give us a written review and move us up in the ratings so that when people type in all repair, we come up close to the top, more people can listen. More people listen, more we can do the show. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. No, that would makes my day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.